So we're supposed to have a funny intro for each episode. Uh, that's our format, but there's no funny this time, folks. Sorry, the Tyree Nichols murder is unlike anything we've ever seen. Well, look, somebody's got to point out that two of these uh, pieces of shit who beat him to death were part of this elite scorpion unit, yet they pepper sprayed each other in the face like idiots <laughs> while trying to subdue an already compliant guy who weighed 140 pounds. Yes, that is kind of funny, at least until you see the rest of the footage of the murder. And by the way, one of the cops was pouring water in the other cop's eye. Both were totally out of breath for no reason. I mean, so much for elite <laughs> unit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Hello, Doobie friends. Hey, Sandra. Welcome to Dubious, everybody. Hi, Neil. Hello, guys. Today we're going to talk about some aspects of the Tyrese Nichols murder that are being discussed less, like Memphis and LA deputy gangs, some crazy details of the actual murder that shocked us the most, things like implicit bias and how racism can happen against people of your own race. Uh, also, the EMTs who didn't do their jobs properly, the aggravated kidnapping charges, and many other insane things that make this case so different from other police killings. Yeah, this is not going to be an easy ride. No, so let's get into it. I'm so mad. I'm so upset about what happened to Tyree Nichols. This is reminiscent of the Rodney King case. Yeah, it really is. And the difference now, though is that the murderers are also five black cops, just like Tyree Nichols, who's black too. And this gives some people the wrong idea, I think. I've already seen comments online that police brutality has nothing to do with race. Spoiler alert, it does. A hundred percent. And racism has many iterations. There's something called implicit bias. There's also a test, by the way, devised by very smart people that... Uh, we can all take to see how biased we are against what race or race is. What I'm getting to here is, well, two things. One, white people f***ed everyone else up. And two, because of that, some black people who took the test, for example, were shocked to find out that they, quote, have a strong automatic preference for European Americans compared to African Americans. You can find the test link in the Atlantic article about black-on-black -black racism uh, that we linked in the episode notes. This reminds me, there's another thing that is uh, always present in demographic surveys, like the U.S. Census, for example. It's like if you analyze the data, you find that people who moved, like, say, from a Latin American country to the U.S., over time, they come to self-identify as white more and more just because that's what everybody wants. So that's what's happened. White people over hundreds of years since the first black and brown people were enslaved, constantly drilled this skewed view into the world, this idea that black and brown people are less than. It's in the fabric of society. It's in our DNA. That's why racism is so hard to eradicate. Exactly. I mean, for f**k's sake, we had the three-fifths clause in our constitution. African Americans as individuals were officially considered three-fifths of a person. So every five slaves would be counted as three people when determining population for the number of representatives and taxes owed to the government. 
Uh, this was in Article 1, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution of 1787. It was repealed in 1865, though. But this is how this country was built, no matter what anyone says. The murder of Tyree Nichols is the result of a system built on white supremacy. If Tyree Nichols was white, would they have beaten him so viciously? I say probably not. Probably not. No. So let's talk about what is different about this police murder compared to other police murders. We already addressed the fact that the killers are black men. Another thing that stands out, but in a positive light, is how this situation was handled. As soon as Memphis Police Chief Seralyn J. Davis saw the video, she fired the five cops involved. It's important to point out that she is black and she is obviously a woman. And she taught all the white male police chiefs how it's done. She didn't put the murderers on paid leave for months, like we've seen in almost all other police murder cases. Tyree Nichols, who was 29, uh, he's a father and son. He loved photography and skateboarding and was stopped for an alleged traffic violation and beaten to a pulp on January the 7th. He was on his way home from a nearby park where he went to photograph the sunset. That was his thing. He was also a native of California and had just recently moved to Memphis. Yes, he loved sunsets. That's a thing. And people are now posting photos of sunsets online, you know, in his memory. And it's really heartbreaking. But one thing I must add here. Seralyn Davis, the police chief, said that the investigators could not substantiate the reckless driving claim the murderers made. So it's very unclear and very suspicious why Tyree was stopped in the first place, given that he broke no traffic regulations. And this is where my dubinitor alarms go off. All the red flags are up. So on January the 10th, three days after the beating, Tyree died in the hospital. On January the 18th, the DOJ opened a civil rights investigation, and just two days later, the five cops were all fired. Yes, and on January 26th, the district attorney announced the charges for the five ex-cops, and two other cops who responded to the scene were placed on leave and are now under investigation as well. All five of the ex-cops who beat Tyree Nichols to death were charged with second-degree murder, two counts of official misconduct, one count of official oppression, one count of aggravated assault, and two counts of aggravated kidnapping. And that's the thing that stands out. In all the other police killings, I don't remember an aggravated kidnapping charge. So what does this tell us? Neil, please tell the people what's our ace in the sleeve for making this podcast. Simple. Anchor by Spotify. Yes, Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast even for the least technical people like me. Anchor has all the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Yes, guys, from your phone. You can be on the couch cuddling with your pets and working on your podcast at the same time. Incredibly easy. Plus, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Yes, Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Kidnapping means any unlawful confinement of a person which significantly restricts someone's liberty. The prosecutors correctly argue that at a certain point in the sequence of events, if it was a legal detention to begin with, it turned illegal soon thereafter. The aggravated portion of the charge happened because the kidnapping resulted in bodily injury and the persons involved in the kidnapping possessed weapons. 
So that makes sense. The first video that we saw when the uh, first two cops open Tyree's car door and violently drag him out with no, hello, may I see your license? No, nothing. I mean, that's pretty much f***ing kidnapping. To be honest, I mean, yes. And that is one of the aspects that is off to me. There was no talking. So they approached the car. One of them had their gun pulled, opened the door and dragged him out and forcefully put him on the ground. No... You ran a light. Let me see your registration. You're nothing. It was pure violence from second one. And this is all even weirder and shocking since we now know there was no traffic violation. So the cops stopped a random car, opened the door and viciously dragged the driver out. I don't know. Something doesn't add up here. It seems very personal to me. A particularly insidious aspect of the sound in the first video also, the body cam of the actual beating is that the cops are constantly shouting as if Nichols is not complying when he very obviously is complying and they're shoving him, tasing him, macing him. Yes, like show us your hands while they were holding his arms behind him. It's insane. Or stop resisting when he was obviously not resisting. In fact, when he got pulled out of the car, Tyree was the only person there who was calm and composed. The policemen were the ones who were unhinged, and frankly, they seemed, I don't know, high on sight. It's inexplicable. That level of unprovoked, unnecessary violence, it's like Tyree was their enemy, like they had a grudge against him. And then they pepper sprayed Tyree and each other in the face like the idiots they are. I think that was the moment that Tyree, realizing he must save his life, managed to run away. If only he had made it home. I mean, he was so close to home. He was like a few houses away from his mom's home when they found him and beat him to death. You know, I gotta make a prediction. I mean, we may never know this, but the whole yelling commands at somebody that they are obviously either complying with or it's impossible for them to comply with. I think that is a tactic. They are used to somebody back at headquarters saying, oops, we lost the video. All we have is the audio from that uh, body cam. And the audio clearly says that he was resisting the whole time. They're used to somebody just covering for them and accidentally patching it up so that it looks fine. And so, yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like the person was resisting, but people don't have the video. But in this case, luckily, we do have the video. And by the way, they did the same thing at the end, after the beating, when more police cars arrived and Tyree was literally on the ground dying. Yes. They were talking. You could see they were like trying to make it like, oh, man, he ran from my, oh, my God, he reached for my gun. They were trying to cover. They realized, yeah. Now, about the actual beating itself, the two initial cops, the ones that dragged Tyree out of the car and maced each other, once he runs away, uh, they call for backup. They tell two other police cars in which direction Tyree ran. And this is where we get to the footage of the actual beating. I mean, which is pretty horrific. We have, you know, a small guy and, you know, five just huge cops are hitting him in a mindless rage. I mean, I honestly wish I did not watch the video. Yes, I mean, they descended on him with such fury. I I don't know. We had to watch the video for the podcast because uh, we can't form an opinion without seeing what happened. But yes, I can't unsee that either. And what again is insane to me, and we tweeted about this actually on uh, at Dubious Pod with the footage and audio. One of the murderer's body cam captures a moment when a cop, 
after beating up on Tyree, and while Tyree was calling out for his mom, this cop does this joyful sound of excitement, like, whoo! My jaw just dropped when I heard that woo. That's a sound you make when you're hyped after a great concert, great sex, or after passing the hardest exam of your life. Not after disfiguring a human being who's calling for his mom in agony, dying on the ground. Yeah, that's the sound of somebody who is uh, hopped up on roids and is used to this sort of thing. And yeah, he's enjoying himself. Yeah, or maybe a guy whose wife, you know, or ex... I, I don't know, that's pure speculation. I have to say that for our listeners, but it just seems so personal. I can't get it yeah. out of my head. These guys are psychopaths. There's no way around it. And another cop was sort of aimlessly limping in circles after kicking Tyree in the face. Imagine kicking someone so hard that you hurt your own leg. I mean, I hope somebody did some blood tests on these cops. You know, the level of aggression is beyond typical police brutality, even. I'm not going to be surprised if they're all just hopped up on roids and this is what they consider fun. Yes, it crossed my mind too. Many things crossed my mind. Like, what if they knew Tyree or knew of him? And he had done something knowingly or unknowingly to one of the cops, like... I don't know. The thing that's circulating online and people from Memphis are kind of like saying on the down low is that, as we mentioned, he might have dated some cop's ex-wife or something. Obviously, this is, again, pure speculation, but even the most brutal cops don't stop a totally random car and without asking for the license or saying one f***ing word, violently drag the driver out and start pepper spraying him and tasing him. Unless there's some chemicals involved or it's personal. And if that's the case, and this will be proven at the trial, that Tyree was indeed seeing, I don't know, some cop's wife, ex-wife, whatever, it's much worse for the cops. Because this means premeditation, that they were a hit squad from the get-go, not a police unit. Yeah, it's very weird, but this Scorpion unit they were a part of had this kind of vibe, this mindset to it, this kind of supercharged, aggressive method of policing. And by the way, this Scorpion unit has also been disbanded Oh, please, now. what the f*** is with this name? These cops aren't fighting Al-Qaeda in the mountains of Afghanistan. Their only purpose is to serve and protect the people. This militarization of police departments, even in the names they pick, is in itself an escalation of violence. It instills and teaches police the idea that they are at war with their own people. It's f***ing insane. Are you done interrupting? <laughs> For now, <laughs> Sorry. So, the Scorpion Unit, which was dismantled after Tyree's murder, allegedly stands for Street Crimes Operation to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. This is bad in terms of acronyms, just saying, but... It was created in November 2021. If you ask me, I think they named themselves Scorpion and then found some words to match the title. You know, the process seems backwards to me. Yes, that's 100% how this happened. I'm, I'm convinced. Also, to restore peace, that's exactly the f***ing problem. The police are trained as if they are at war with their own people, with the communities they're supposed to serve. This militarization, again, of the police... Like their Navy SEALs combat units. This has been a disaster. It's, it's not working. Yeah, I mean, the Scorpion unit had 40 officers split into four teams who patrol, quote, high crime hotspots throughout the city of Memphis. 
And this brings us to, you know, police gangs, because this is the feeling I'm getting, right? America has actual police gangs, yes. And how do we have police organized crime? Well, it's a tradition, and as you might guess, it has everything to do with racism. Of course it does. So, Memphis is a city in southwest Tennessee, for our international listeners, on the Mississippi River. The genesis of the modern police organization in the South is the Slave Patrol. The first formal slave patrol was created in the Carolina colonies in 1704. Slave patrols had three primary functions. One, to chase down, apprehend, and return to their owners runaway slaves. Two, to provide a form of organized terror to deter slave revolts. And three, to maintain a form of discipline for slave workers who were the subject to summary justice outside of the law if they violated any plantation rules. Following the Civil War, these vigilante-style organizations evolved in quote-unquote like the modern Southern police departments, and they were used primarily as a means of controlling freed slaves who are now laborers working in an agricultural caste system and enforcing Jim Crow segregation laws designed to deny freed slaves equal rights and access to the political system. And the legacy of this never really went away, not entirely. As we explained in the beginning, how implicit bias, which is caused by the societal environment that somebody lives in, can cause racism within one's own race. It's, I mean, f***ed up, but compound this with the sort of intrinsic DNA of what policing was created for in America. And are you really surprised that five black cops killed a black guy in such a brutal attack? Are we surprised that 99.9% .9 of the time it's white cops who kill black people? Nope, we are not surprised. And because we talked about the history of policing in the South, let's just mention that even though not as explicit, police everywhere had as an initial goal protecting white people and their property. And look, we must be objective here and say that there are many, many police people who are decent human beings and good professionals, and they are appalled by this and, you know, they truly serve and protect. But this culture of violence and this we're at war attitude seems to be prevalent in American police. And then we have the actual gangs, like police gangs. There's actually a very good investigative podcast named A Tradition of Violence. Um, this recommended. Now, most of these deputy gangs are in Los Angeles, but it looks like also in other places, such as Memphis, they're there too. Some L.A. police gangs even have certain identifying tattoos, and each new cop has to kill a black person as initiation into the police gang. They mark their territories with graffiti, even. And they are, as unbelievable as it may seem, sort of like street gangs. While most of these gang cops are white, some of them are black, too. Not many, but some. Yes, there are at least 18 police gangs within the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, the California Senate Subcommittee on Police Officer Conduct, and the United States Commission on Civil Rights have heard testimony on the violence inflicted on communities at the hands of deputy gangs for decades. 
And yet there have not been any internal investigations or meaningful policy changes to solve the problem. Deputy gangs have killed at least 19 people, all of whom were men of color, and at least four of them had a mental illness. Los Angeles County has a list of lawsuits related to the deputy gangs, and litigation related to these cases has cost the county just over $100 million over the past 30 years. Yeah, the taxpayers, the people who live there, it's cost yeah. them $100 million. <laughs> right. And if only things would change and something would be done, right? But no, one such deputy gang was called the Vikings. <laughs> it's a very on the nose. I mean, uh, you <laughs> it know. It is, yeah. You got a, uh, a diverse demographic like L.A. to call yourself the Vikings. Yes, it's racist as f It's clear what the underlying idea is here. And to join the Vikings, a deputy had to be a hard charger. That meant doing things like falsifying reports to prove loyalty to fellow deputies. Um, there's this guy, James Mueller, who's a civil rights attorney, who went on to pursue cases against the Vikings. And he said that this mentality is common throughout law enforcement. This is what he actually said, quote, since 1988, I've been doing this. I have never, ever seen a deputy or a police officer report another officer for excessive force. The Vikings would award tattoos to members who proved themselves. Each member of the gang also had a numbered tattoo of a Viking. The highest number an investigative journalist found was 98. So the design was always located on their left calf muscle. While the gang was mostly made up of white men, they would occasionally recruit officers of other races as well, like Paul Tanaka, who became the mayor. It's systemic in a way. The gang also added some Latin and four black members, but deputies of color who joined the group had their tattoos modified to denote their heritage. Well, before we go back to talking about Tyree Nichols' murder, we're nothing like the Vikings, and if you, our beloved Tubi friends, want to join our little quote-unquote gang, please become a patron on dubiaspot.com or by clicking the Become a Patron link in the episode notes right here in the app you're listening to us in. You don't even have to get any tattoos. For less than the <laughs> monthly price of, say, one fancy coffee, you'll get all of our episodes ad-free. No more ads, plus you'll be supporting Dubious so we can keep bringing you new content every week. Now I want to talk a bit about the fact that Tyree could probably, maybe, have been saved. According to the necropsy commissioned by his family, Tyree suffered extensive internal bleeding caused by a severe beating. Why don't you just say autopsy? <laughs> <laughs> like normal people. <laughs> It's not the correct term. I mean, it's popular. Everybody uses it in all the documentaries and, you know, crime Didn't TV Didn't they tell stuff. you when you got here that the American way is the normal way? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I'll explain. It doesn't make sense. The etymology of autopsy comes from the Greek terms of autos, which means self, and optos, which means seen. So autopsy means self-observed. Autopsy implies doing it to yourself, like doing your own autopsy. It's nonsensical. Necropsy comes from the Greek necros, which means, you know, dead tissue, dead body, corpse, dead person, and optos, seen, observed, right? So observing what happened to a dead body, not your own dead body. This makes sense. So it's necropsy. Anyway, we don't know more about this internal bleeding, uh, if it was bleeding in his brain, in his abdomen, or both. The point is, if the EMTs would have been called faster, if they had gotten there faster, if they actually did something when they got there, 
would Tyree still be alive? Could he have survived? Well, I feel like I should mention that um, this goes all the way back to Plato, but it turns out that the Greek word for pharma maybe means poison, maybe means cure. So <laughs> you can debate whether when Socrates drank the poison, was it really the poison or was it the cure? <laughs> I like your philosophical input, Neil. It's always a uh, eye-opener. It's eye not mine. Derrida found that. You hate him. <laughs> I can't. Like, I don't want to hear about Derrida That's what anymore. made him famous, was finding a bad translation of Plato talking about pharmacon and whether pharmacon means poison or does it mean cure? Or does the translator well, really know? It's a good question because I don't know of any medication that doesn't have a side effect. So there, you there we it. go. Yes. So anyways, that's the thing. This was almost as hard to watch as the beating itself. Once they were done beating him, they dragged him and propped him up against the police car, so he was barely conscious. And for 22 minutes, 22 minutes, he received no help. You could see Tyree fallen completely on the ground, handcuffed, kind of slowly moving, but it was excruciating to watch either way. You could tell no medical degree required that this is someone who is in severe danger medically. He needs immediate help. Two Memphis Fire Department EMTs have been relieved of duty pending an internal investigation in connection to Tyree's death, and the two EMTs were involved in the initial patient care of Tyree Nichols. So, come on, this was literally like murder from beginning to end. I, I just can't wrap my mind about it. And it's unclear, at least at the moment of this recording, what the two EMTs did or didn't do, but it's fair to conclude the care they provided was subpar at best. Yeah, Sarah Lynn Davis, the police chief, said the EMTs failed to render proper care. Yeah, yeah. And she's right, you know, Nicole's family attorney, Antonio Romanucci, said that there were limitations on how much he could say, but he still told the press the following. During a period of time before the EMS services arrived on scene, fire is on scene. And they are there with Tyree and the police officers prior to EMS arriving. And look, I saw in those long 22 minutes of video, right after the beating, I mean, you can do so much in 22 minutes, I don't get it. But what I saw is these two people with like first aid bags, they came near Tyree while he was lying on the concrete and they were just doing nothing, literally nothing. I initially thought they were cops by this point because that street corner where they beat him to death was swarming with cops. You would have thought they got Bin Laden, not a skinny, defenseless, unconscious photographer. I, I don't get it. Well, I'm going to call that, until proven otherwise, a sort of tactic to, you know, you pretend to be busy for the camera thinking, well, I just got to kill another 30 minutes and then... You know, when this guy dies, we don't have to worry about him suing us. And we'll just, you know, we'll just write the report and then we'll lose the video and then this will go away like all the others. Yes, and that's the thing. During that time, you could tell at some point they kind of realized they might have overdone it a little bit, right? And you could tell they started talking to each other, explaining how uh, how he ran away and how he tried to reach for the... Like criminals getting their story straight. Yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Exactly. Yes. I don't know if we would call him wise, but somebody said, just as every cop's a criminal and all the sinner saints. So <laughs> thanks, Mick Jagger. You're all right. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. So this is the most unusual, insanely violent police murder I've seen. Different from other cases, so my dubimeter level is 150, highest it's ever been in any previous episode. That seems fair to me, yeah. I have so, so many questions still, I can't shake the feeling, as unsubstantiated by evidence as it is so far, that this was personal. There must be a missing piece here, either that or these cops were high on something, something other than power and too much testosterone, I mean. Ultimately, it does not matter though, Tyree is not coming back, his mother, I mean, it broke my heart when she was talking to the press and she said that it hurts her to know he was calling for her and she failed him because she couldn't be there as he was dying. I mean, can you imagine to know that your child was calling out for you when he was being killed by police? It's Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe the worst scenario is that this sort of thing happens all the time, and this is just the one we happen to hear about. I don't know. More details will come out, and the latest we've got at the time of this recording is that the five killers have been released on bail pending their trial, and hopefully Congress will somehow find a way to work together to reform police and pass the George Floyd bill, which Republicans predictably killed in the Senate after it's passed the House the first time. Yes, that's all we have for you today, guys. If you like us and you want to support us, you can become a patron on dubiouspod.com and get all our episodes ad-free. We are at Dubious Pod on all social media, and Sandra loves reviews. So if you like us, leave us a review in whatever app you listen to us on. She's checking every day for new <laughs> ones and texting me screenshots of them all. I am, yes, I thrive on compliments and good vibes. What can the I say? The lady in particular who pointed out that Sandra laughs at her own jokes, uh, you definitely got texted to me. <laughs> Yes, that's our latest review from this fan FL. I guess she's from Florida and I want to thank her, but it was a hilarious comment and I loved it. And yes, I do laugh at my own jokes sometimes. <laughs> well, even the non-funny ones. Not my fault. My sarcasm is so elevated. You don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening, everybody. We love you. See you guys next week. <laughs>